Upbeat Radio on KRCB Windsor, Santa Rosa, a program that focuses on issues by, for, and about members of the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning communities. You can hear Outbeat Radio every Sunday night at 8 p.m. This is Living Proof, and we're your hosts. I'm Dr. Diana Grayer, and next to me is my co-host and wife, Sheridan Gold. Tonight's show is going to be a bit different. Instead of our usual format, we'll be immersing ourselves in the powerful words and thoughts of those who have shaped black history. We'll be sharing famous quotes, interesting facts, both well-known and little-known, and sprinkling in our own reflections. So grab a cup of tea, settle into your favorite spot, and let's take a moment to absorb the wisdom and inspiration that Black history has to offer. Join us for reflection, celebration, and appreciation as we honor the voices that have made an enduring mark on our world. Stick around for some thought-provoking moments in the essence of Black History Month right here on Outbeat Radio. But first, here's news and events with Outbeat member and our engineer, Greg Moralia. This is Greg Moralia with your Alpi Radio News for the week of February 4th, 2024. The California Department of Aging and a statewide coalition of LGBTQI community based organizations, as well as research partners, is launching a groundbreaking statewide online survey of LGBTQI older adults. CDA Director Susan DeMaroy said there is no baseline data on aging experiences and the needs of older LGBTQI Californians, so this survey will help paint a comprehensive portrait of community needs. Despite playing a proud and central role in the history of California and communities across the state, the LGBTQI community has faced stigma and barriers to opportunity, support, and services available to them. Information and insights from the survey will help inform California's master plan on aging, equity, and inclusion goals, and it will enable more response and accessible services addressing health, mental health, housing, income, caregiving, food assistance, and much more. The key partners in this study include Open House, which is a trusted voice in service provision to midlife and older adults. Other partners are the Sexual and Gender Minority Health Equity Lab at the University of California, and the Center for Advanced Study of Aging Services at UC Berkeley. Participation in the survey is anonymous and easy. You can learn more at aging.ca.gov. Just search for Survey of LGBTQIA. And also here in California, a judge halted enforcement of a statewide rule requiring law enforcement officers to disclose their own gender identity in reporting traffic stops to a California anti-discrimination board. As part of the state's Racial and Identity Profiling Act, passed in 2015, California police officers are now required to record information about people they stop and submit the data to the state, which compiles and analyzes the information for an annual report. Since January 1st of this year, new regulations by Attorney General Bob Bonta's office have required officers to also notify their employer whether they are cisgender, transgender, or non-binary in the information the police agency released to the state. The temporary restraining order issued by a Sacramento County Superior Court judge came in a lawsuit filed by the Peace Officers Research Association of California, the California Association of Highway Patrolmen, and organizations of police chiefs and sheriffs. 
Judge Christopher Kruger didn't specify the reasons for the brief order, but did schedule a hearing for March 19th on a preliminary injunction that would keep the new requirements on hold while the cases continued in court. Brian Marvel, who's the president of the California Peace Officers Research Group, says he remains committed to protecting the rights of all members to live as they wish, identify as they see fit, and to share their identity on their own terms. Porak says it has more than 78,000 members from 955 law enforcement organizations in California. The group also opposed the initial law that created the data reporting requirements and regularly criticizes the annual reports showing officers disproportionately stop and search drivers of color. David Mastagni, a lawyer for police groups in the lawsuit, said that Attorney General Bonta was contradicting the privacy standard the Attorney General had declared for schools that require teachers to inform parents when a student identifies as transgender. As we reported earlier in January, the Attorney General said that forced gender identity disclosure policies, which target transgender and gender nonconforming students by mandating that school personnel disclose the student's gender identity or gender nonconformity to a parent, violates state law. Mastagni said, quote, paradoxically, his own department refused to afford peace officers these same privacy rights. And he added that the rules also violate California civil rights law, the Fair Employment Housing Act, which prohibits discrimination based on gender as well as race, ethnicity, age, religion, and disability. And here locally, according to the Bay Area Reporter, the city of Sausalito in Marin County now boasts a lesbian police chief. Stacy Gregory's appointment to the position was effective on January 7th. She's been serving as acting police chief since June of 2022. The announcement stated that city manager Chris Zapata decided to forego a formal recruitment process for Gregory, who has been with the department for 26 years. Zapata said, quote, Chief Gregory has proven she's extremely capable. Her promotion is based on multiple factors, including her extensive experience with Sausalito residents, local businesses, the police department, and all other city departments. The city's press release said, quote, Chief Gregory's appointment is a positive reflection of a city that holds diversity, inclusion, and belonging as core values, end quote. For Outbeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia. And if you just joined us, this is Living Proof, and we are celebrating Black History Month. Diana, you had an interesting fact to share about Outbeat. Yeah, uh, I think it's really important because February early 2000s, I was invited by Rain who was heading the the leader of the radio show, was called Outbeat Salon. You remember that? Yes, I do. He invited me to come and talk about Black History Month. And it was amazing because to be invited to talk about my blackness in the community of Sonoma County and just to, just to share, just to be a visible person uh, not visible on the radio, but, you know, just to yeah. have him talk about, I mean, for me to talk about myself like that. So it was a really uh, important pleasure to do that. Number one, that somebody wanted me to talk about my blackness. But the second thing is, is this is how we got started being radio hosts. Because uh, after my interview, Rain said, Diana, we're looking for a host. And would you like to be one? I say, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> I say, you invited me to talk about my black history. And now I get to be a radio show host? You want me to be a radio show host? I mean, early 2000, that was really sweet, really nice. And I said, well, let me think about it. And I said, I would love to do it with my wife. 
at the time we didn't have the legalization of wife and wifey, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I came home and I talked to you about it and mm-hmm. I know you're, you're a ham and you love being talking and doing speaking and, and I was more shy back then. Mm-hmm. Right. And yes. I just said, you know what, it'd be a growth thing for me to do and, and you were open to doing it. And so we've been co-hosting this radio show for a long, long time. And it started with Black History Month. And it just, yeah, it all started with Black History wow. Month. So I thought, you know, occasionally we would like to do Februarys to talk about Black History Month because I think it's important to do, you know, we do Valentine's Day. We try and get couples to uh, come and share their newlywed story or something like that but mm-hmm. you know occasionally we like to embrace black history month and celebrate it because it's it is a big deal i think it's important really important i'm glad that we're taking the time to do that tonight we can't start a show about black history month without first talking about dr martin luther king jr the leader of the civil rights movement everybody knows that We all know Dr. King and his unforgettable speech during the March on Washington in 1963. That's right. And now we have a national holiday to acknowledge the work he did. And we will be sharing some clips of that famous speech, Mm -hmm. I Have a Dream. Mm -hmm. I love that speech. It just moves me deeply. But before sharing those clips of that speech, spectacular speech we want to discuss Bayard Rustin executive director of the march Mm -hmm. on Washington and how he made it an epic event that it was yes so Bayard Rustin he was black and he was gay he was instrumental in organizing the march on Washington in fact he was the executive director of the March on Washington. His tenacity and his efforts and how he got things done was just impeccable. He thought about every detail of that march. Mm. Think about it. Have you ever wondered how 250,000 people got to Washington, D.C.? Wow. So we have a couple clips that we want to play for you, for you to hear his voice and clips that show his passion. Bring to you the executive director of the March on Washington, the man who organized this whole thing, Mr. Bayard Rustin. Ladies and gentlemen, the first demand is that we have effective civil rights legislation no compromise, no filibuster, and that it includes public accommodation, decent housing, integrated education, FEPC, and the right to vote. What do you say? If you can't get a decent salary from men who are working, In the name of God, how the hell are you going to get rid of poverty? All of the country people are telling me, you can't depend on the unions. They're anti-Negro. They won't stand with you. 
Well, I think the record here shows that in Memphis, this fight is going to be won because the black people of this community and the trade unions stand together, man to man. We call for a nonviolent uprising with people sitting, standing, being arrested, white and black together. Our power is in our ability to make things unworkable. The only weapon we have is our bodies. And we need to tuck them in places so wheels don't turn. Am I supposed to go back to Harlem and tell the people they have to wait until the Vietnam War is over before money can be got? No, I think we have to put up a political fight for it. I do not believe the war in Vietnam is more important than eradicating poverty, and I think history will reveal that. What I want to know is, with what politician will you agree in November if they don't get off their fannies and do something? I love listening to Bayard Rustin speak. I think he is such a passionate person about speaking about rights, civil rights, union rights, education, accommodations, just everything that makes us human. He wants for black people. And I loved hearing his voice and actually seeing him when we went to YouTube and got these clips. You can see him speak as well. He's a very, very powerful person. I, I agree with you, Cher. This this process of putting this show together and learning more and more about him, uh, his passion is just over the top. And we are going to go into sharing some of his quotes about his passion. And he really believed in fighting for black rights and gay rights and, and us fighting together. So you will see. Like, for instance, this first quote we're going to talk about is, if we want to do away with the injustice to gays, it will not be done because we get rid of the injustice to gays. It will be done because we are forwarding the effort for the elimination of injustice for all. And we will win the rights for gays or blacks or Hispanics or women within the context of whether we are fighting for all. Mm. Wow. Can we can we hear that one more time? I think that is so great. Okay. So, yeah, go ahead. Okay. If we want to do away with the injustice to gays, it will not be done because we get rid of the injustice to gays. It will be done because we are forwarding the effort for the elimination of injustice to all. Mm -hmm. And we will win the rights for gays or blacks or Hispanics or women within the context of whether we are fighting for all. That's a big statement. Yes. <laughs> it makes sense, right? Yes. Uh -huh. This is what we're doing. We are fighting injustice for black people. Means we're going to have justice for all people like gays and trans we are all going to benefit everyone is going to benefit right right is if you're jewish or black any issue like that mm -hmm. but if we all fight everyone then we'll benefit then we will get somewhere and we can make progress mm -hmm. you know i mean i love this guy 
<laughs> and, and here we are still talking about this. And he, he, he lived, what, from 1912 to 1987. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is when he is in public, he doesn't talk about the rights for gays. Mm-hmm. Because it was illegal to be gay back then. And it's not that he was in the closet so much, but he did have to not make it so public, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that he has these quotes about gays, and he parallels them to the fights with uh, of the black people. So I think that's very, very interesting. Very. Mm-hmm. So here's another quote. People will never fight for your freedom if you have not given evidence that you are prepared to fight for it yourself. Right. Do <laughs> you want to say it? Say it one more time. Really? People will never fight for your freedom if you have not given evidence that you are prepared to fight for it yourself. Mm-hmm. Again, I mean, I love his quote because I love his passion and I believe in a lot what he's saying. It is so true. You know, a lot of people sit back and they're afraid to fight. So the stronger people have to come forth and fight and help out. And, you know, when you uh, protest, when black people like protest, your allies show up, right? That's important to have you know, allies, isn't it? But you think of George Floyd when mm-hmm. it happened. So if we black people are fighting for ourselves. A lot of blacks, a lot of Latinas, like, like a lot of different cultures came forth to fight with us. What does that mean when allies fight with you? What did that mean to you, Diana, being there and seeing all white people and Asian people and Latino people fighting with you? What did that mean to you? Oh, my gosh, it, well, it's, it's, it's so heartfelt and warm, and um, you, you felt bigger and stronger. You weren't isolated on the island. You were in unity, mm. you know, because people believe that uh, human rights for all people are important. Right. And so blacks have been so, uh, you know, criticized and underserved for years, you know, because of slavery. Um and so to have allies and to see all over the world doing George Floyd, people coming together to fight. Um, so, yeah, this is really an important quote. I have clients uh, from lots of different backgrounds and they are, you know, are in settings where mostly white people are and they are afraid to speak up. You know, again, now in 2024. So I support them and I try and encourage them to speak, mm-hmm. to speak up and not take it. And that's what Bayard uh, was all about and what he fought for. Mm-hmm. It's like if people take it seriously about their own fights, then others others know that it's important and they'll fight with you. There's so many times that people of color can be in a setting where where there's people telling, let's say, people telling negative jokes or racist jokes and they don't say anything. And so the people who are saying these jokes think it's okay. And telling those jokes is a racist thing. They express hate and then they start laughing and it makes, sometimes it can make people of color, if it's a racist joke, feel very uncomfortable. And they, that's when allies need to get in there and say, Hey, this is not okay. Like, um, we had an instance with uh, one of our foster daughters who was Mexican, 
and we were all at a party and one of our friends started telling a joke about Mexicans and Diana stopped him and said, hey, mm-hmm. wait a minute. What did you say, Di? I had to say, hey, 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 what, what's going on? You know, here we are sitting right here and our foster daughter who's Latina was sitting right in between us. And uh, he was like blown away. He was like, oh my gosh, like he caught himself. Sometimes we just are robots in our lives. You know, people are just robots and they don't know and they need to be educated. Mm -hmm. And so he came over and he just, he froze and he came over and he apologized. He bowed down to us. He apologized to our foster daughter. And he said, oh, I just was, you know, he just calls himself some names or something, but he he he, he realized what he was doing, and uh, I'd say, yeah, no problem. But I just want to let you know it's not cool, mm-hmm. and he got it. Yeah. So, and that leads us right into the next quote, which is, "If I do not fight bigotry wherever it is, bigotry is thereby strengthened, and to the degree that it is strengthened." It will thereby have the power to turn on me. So that's Mm. Bayard's words, and that fits in with this joke example that you just told as well. Because if you wouldn't have said anything, then the whole bigotry, the laughing at the, uh, the joke would have strengthened this bigotry and everybody have a good time, but good time at whose expense? Exactly. Mm-hmm. People are afraid to stand up yeah. to bigots and or people who are haters, you know, thinking that they might be the next target. I hear that a lot from young people. Mm. Uh, they don't want to say, I always say, did you say something? No, I didn't say anything because I don't want them to come after me. <laughs> but right. if we stand up together, the bigots don't have as much power. Mm. And that's what we have to continually we have to continue to do is stand together, be unified. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This next quote, why don't you read it, Diana, is is just exactly what you just said about being together. Gays are beginning to realize what blacks learned long ago. Unless you are out here fighting for yourself, then nobody else will help you. I think the gay community has a moral obligation to continue the fight. Again, here we go. Mm-hmm. Excellent. This is about standing up for yourself. Each of us have to do that. And Bayard really credits the struggles of blacks helping, teaching the LGBTQI community to fight for ourselves. More obligation, he spoke about, do what's right. We have to fight for our survival, for our humanity. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. (laughs) Um, I think the moral obligation to do what's right, we also not only have to fight for ourselves and for our own survival, but we and our humanity, we have to to fight for each other's Mm -hmm. survival, each other's humanity, and that's what I'm talking about is being together. We learn from each other. But I think Martin Luther King says injustice to one is injustice for everybody, you know, and we will get to that, those words soon. But um, 
Yeah, and yeah, it's just a hard society and country and yeah. all the wars and hatred and people fighting against each other in all these different places around the world instead of coming together and working. You know, we are all human. You know, we all have lives and families so much, and, and families and so much hate, so much hate. People can just kill people just like with the blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. So, so much injustice and hatred out there, inequality. and So, we have know. this last quote. And it is, every gay who is in the closet is ultimately a threat to the freedom of gays. He continues by saying, I don't want to seem intolerant to them, and I think we have to say that to them with a great deal of infection, but remaining in the closet is the other side of the prejudice against gays. Because until you challenge it, you are not playing an active role in fighting it. I think we should read that one more time, Di. Mm -hmm. Would you? Every gay who is in the closet is ultimately a threat to the freedom of gays. I don't want to seem intolerant to them. And I think we have to say that to them with a great deal of affection. But remaining in the closet is the other side of the prejudice against gays. Because until you challenge it, you are not playing an active role in fighting it. Wow, a lot that's a controversial statement because mm -hmm. a lot of people feel like, you know, people are not ready to come out and their lives could be in danger. Yeah. And so a lot of people are afraid of that. Yeah. But, you know, I think this quote is important because even now in 2024 there are still, you know, people in the closet. And I know people have to come out when they're when they need to. Um and Rustin was firsthand aware of the black injustices because of the color of his skin, right? Mm -hmm. So, but people can hide their gayness. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where that quote was coming from. Mm -hmm. He was feeling that, you know? Yeah. So closeted people are lacking the freedom. So that's the other side, the prejudice that he was talking about. They're, they're lacking the freedom. So he continues uh, his fight for his blackness and his gayness. Yeah, mm. I was just thinking about a friend of ours who was in the military and it was illegal to be gay in the military. And she could not be out with her colleagues. Mm. She couldn't bring her partner to any of the functions and she ended up getting cancer, and she was unable to be free. And he saw the importance and the value in these fights because he wanted everyone to be free and believed all black and gay people should be free. She couldn't be her authentic self. She couldn't let people see her beauty inside because she had to stifle it down and that's what the closet does to us. And so I really like this quote because even if we say it with a great deal of affection, <laughs> but 
People who are in the closet, he says, they are ultimately a threat to the freedom of gays. And that's pretty heavy statement. Yeah, it's very heavy back then. But he was just he was just that kind of activist mm-hmm. back then. He had to. He saw the struggles. Yeah. He saw black people getting killed and they had to step up. The bus boycott. Imagine that. I mean, all the voices of the black people was putting the bus companies out of business. They say, we're going to do this. We're going to walk miles, right. but we're not going to give them our money. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we we really um, are glad we had this time to explore a little bit about Bayard Rustin. Oh. And if you're interested in learning more about him and how he organized the March on Washington, check out the movie called Rustin on Netflix. It is fantastic. Fantastic. We learned a lot when we watched it. Had no idea he was as influential. And uh, what's the word I want to look look at? Um, he he just charmed everybody to want to work their butts off for him and to get this thing going. So uh, it's a fantastic movie. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Fantastic, share Yeah, and the details around the uh, March on Washington was incredible. What do you remember? Is there anything you remember when in specific? I mean, you don't think about all those people, you know, like back in the day, they needed to go to the bathroom. Where were they going to go to the bathroom? And he said something about the temperatures were like in the 90s degrees and somebody wanted to have a certain type of sandwich. Cheese Cheese sandwiches. sandwiches. Yeah, and he said it's too hot for cheese sandwiches. Cheese sandwiches will spread. Boil, he says to them. So they had to come up with another plan. He'd say peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) (laughs) He just was a visionary. He could see beyond the the day-to-day. He could see beyond and how to get, you know, they had to get buses of people to come. How did they arrange the buses? Where do they get the money? I mean, it's pretty incredible what he did. And we are setting the scene now for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech that happened because of the hard work of Bayard Rustin. So we're going to take a break now uh, from talking, and we are going to play a clip from the American Dream speech given July 4th, 1965. Enjoy. America is essentially a dream. It is a dream of a land where men of all races, of all nationalities, and of all creeds can live together as brothers. The substance of the dream is expressed in these profound words. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. One of the first things we notice in this dream is its amazing universalism. 
It does not say some men, but it says all men. It doesn't say some, it doesn't say all white men, but it says all men, which includes black men. It doesn't say all Gentiles, but it says all men, which includes Jews. doesn't say all Protestants, but it says all men, which includes Catholics. That is something else that we notice in this dream, which is one of the, the things that distinguishes democracy and our form of government with other totalitarian systems. It says that there are certain basic rights that are neither conferred by nor derived from the state. In order to discover where they came from, it is necessary to move back behind the dim mist of eternity. They are God-given, very seldom. Very seldom, if ever in the history of the world, has a socio-political document expressed in such profound, eloquent, and unequivocal language the dignity and the worth of human personality. For the American dream reminds us that every man is the heir of a legacy of dignity. And yet ever since the founding fathers of our nation dreamed this dream, America has been, to use a big word that the psychologists and the psychiatrists use, a schizophrenic personality, <laughs> tragically defined. <laughs> On the one hand, she has proudly professed the noble principles of democracy, and on the other hand, she has proudly practiced, or she has sadly practiced the very opposite of those principles. Indeed, slavery and segregation have always been strange paradoxes in a nation founded on the principle that all men are created equal. And so often, America has trampled over the dream. So often America has scarred this noble dream. We look and see certain states saying they will never comply with the law of the land. In doing this, America is scarring the dream. We notice people who merely want to be free being brutalized, homes being bombed, churches being bombed. This is a way of scarring the American dream. We notice people who merely want to exercise their citizenship rights being thrown into jail. This is a way of scarring the dream. And we can hear the voice of a little Emmett Till crying from the rushing waters of Mississippi. This is a way of scarring the dream. And 
So the Negro is still trampled over by the iron feet of oppression. And so often he has been pushed out of the glittering sunlight of life's July and left standing in the piercing chill of an alpine November. This is scarring the American dream. Wow. He really took apart the Declaration of Independence, didn't he? <laughs> I listened to it very, very carefully, and I learned a couple of things that I hadn't known before. When he talked about America has a schizophrenic personality, and everybody started clapping. Yeah. I thought that was really, really so insightful when he talked about the noble principles, and then the principles are sadly practiced. And then he talked about the dream being scarred by certain things that are happening to blacks. Yeah. That's I I love that part that all the the, the oppression and people who are fighting for their the, for fighting for a cause fighting for uh, existence uh, they get put in jail for that um, so you know this, that yeah those types of behaviors are scar scarring the American dream the dream that we all want to be free that's why people came to this country even though there's a lot of uh, hatred and hardship and killing and uh, genocide as a result. But the American dream is about freedom. Yeah. And I really like how he talked about the Declaration of Independence being the dream of America. And it makes so much more sense to me now listening it with such detail that he has his own version of the dream. Mm-hmm. Which comes later, of course. It's just amazing speech. Yes, I just love his voice. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in this, this, this calm, relaxed place because when I hear his voice, it's just so powerful. It just puts me in a state. How he enunciates, mm-hmm. how his spacing in between words, how he is so profound and yet so poetic. One thing that I remember he said, he talks with metaphors all the time, and it's just so wonderful. He said people are getting pushed out of the glittering sunlight of life's July and left standing in the piercing chill of an alpine November. Mm. It's so beautiful. Where do you come up with those things? Warmth and cold. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. That was the American Dream speech. But this next clip is Dr. King's historic speech, I Have a Dream, given at the March on Washington in 1963. The part that is breathtaking. And I listen to it every year or whenever I feel the mood to be inspired. So take a listen. I have the pleasure to present to you Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. American in whose symbolic 
whose shadow we stand today, signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Yeah. 
together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing, land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true, and so let freedom ring, from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring, from the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi. just gets me every time when I hear that speech. It's so powerful and beautiful. Yeah, I love it too. It's just amazing to hear it over and over again and how it could be so powerful, especially judge me by the contents of my character, not by the color of my skin. It's so powerful in so many ways. Thank you, Dr. King. Thank you, Dr. King. From trailblazers to inventors, Olympians and politicians, numerous black historical figures have left their marks on American history for decades. Unfortunately, a lot of their accomplishments are unsung and under-acknowledged. Their achievements were silenced under the weight of slavery and Jim Crow segregation laws. Despite the ugly side of history and its racial divide, African Americans still managed to pave the way for historical landmark moments, even today. From laying down the blueprint of safety measures that you use daily, like the elevator and the traffic lights, to the diversity that we can now watch on television. Black history is rich in America. So, in honor of Black History Month, here are some well-known and little-known facts that you may not have been aware of. So, have you heard about Cathay Williams? I didn't know about this until I read about her just recently. Cathay Williams was the first and only known female buffalo soldier. Williams was born into slavery and worked for the Union Army during the Civil War. 
She posed as a man and enlisted as William Cathay in the 38th Infantry in 1866 and was given a medical discharge in 1868. Though over 400 women served in the Civil War posing as male soldiers, Williams was the first African-American woman to enlist and the only documented woman to serve in the United States Army while disguised as a man. Williams's determination to serve her country demonstrates the extraordinary feats women have accomplished simply trying to live their lives. And, and when I read about this die, uh, she got away with everyone thinking she was a man for two years. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, it was only in when she had to keep getting hospitalized for sicknesses that they discovered she was a woman. Wow. Courageous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this is one. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated on Maya Angelou's birthday on April 4th, 1968. Maya Angelou stopped celebrating her birthday for years afterwards and sent flowers to King's widow, Coretta Scott King, for more than 30 years until Coretta's death in 2006. That's amazing. I had no idea. No, I didn't either. Now here's a really interesting one. The godfather of soul, James Brown, performed in front of a televised audience in Boston the day after Martin Luther King was assassinated. Brown is credited for preventing further riots with the performance. That is extraordinary. That, yeah, exactly. I'm wondering about, they must have, like, got together. Some committee, somebody said, we need to do something really big tomorrow because this is going to go, you know, go down really bad. That's amazing, though, that he was credited for preventing so many riots, you know, further riots, because we know that there were like over 100 cities uh, rioting because of who Martin Luther King was. I mean, he was a civil rights leader. He was the leader of black folks and nonviolence. And uh, wow, it's it's disturbing. And here we are recounting it, you know, Mm -hmm. during Black History Month. But this is important that we let people know. Definitely. You know, and not forget. We can't forget. And I think that's the problem in our society. We still forgetting, you know, until something else happened. Then we're going to have the marches. And But there are a lot of uh, oppression still happening, Sheriff. Yeah. Uh, around. A lot of discrimination happening around. Yeah. Still. I really liked look, uh, looking up these facts because I didn't know that about James Brown. I didn't know that about Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have one more fact yeah. that we want to talk about, which uh, involves President Barack Obama. Yeah. Did you know, I'm just talking to the, uh, the listeners, did you know that <laughs> President Barack Obama has won two Grammy Awards? Mm-hmm. He was first honored in 2005 for the audio version of his memoir, Dreams from My Father, and he won for Best Spoken Word Album, (laughs) and he received his second Grammy in the same category in 2007 for his political work, The Audacity of Hope. Mm. In 2022, he was nominated for the audio version of his book, A Promised Land. This man is so prolific. 
I mean, I was so proud to have him as president for eight years. Wow, he was such a gift to us and our country. And he's not stopping. He has not. He has a nonprofit that that encourages young people to get involved with politics. He's writing books. He's he's always there. He's speaking. Did you hear the latest news? <laughs> what? I don't know if it's really true though. But the talk is. I'm just seeing some threads on Facebook in different places about in Newsweek about Barack and about Michelle running for president. Come on. Really? <laughs> wow. That would be amazing. That would be interesting. That sure would be. But there's a lot of political unrest right now with, uh, you know, President Biden and Trump. So we shall see what happens. Mm. But um, I'm very excited that we were able to spend this time talking about you know, and honoring Black History Month and yeah. really the leader of them all. And we had other quotes and different things that we read about, like Rosa Parks, different people like that, and honoring Harriet Tubman, and a lot of different players that we could talk about, but we just had it only, only a certain amount of time to talk. But yeah. it's really important that we highlight Black History Month and <laughs> Black people and their contributions. Yeah, and we encourage the listeners to go find out some other fun facts that maybe you didn't know about and share them with the people in your world. Just as a reminder, we want you to check out, or we suggest you check out Rustin, a fantastic movie about Bayard Rustin, and we spent a good deal of time talking about him, and also a very informative documentary called 13th, which analyzes the criminalization of African Americans and the U.S. prison boom. And you can find both of these films on Netflix. And they're very powerful films. Mm-hmm. Really? You're going to learn a lot. Yeah, definitely. We are going to leave you with Dr. King's speech. We shall overcome. He speaks of never giving up the fight. We shall overcome is a gospel song that is associated heavily with the United States Civil Rights Movement. It is about hope, black people's hope for justice, equality, and freedom. And we all got to hold on to hope. If we lose hope, we may as well perish. But as you know, over the hundreds of years, the fight continues. Thank you for joining us tonight. And know that you too can be living proof that working to end racism or any kind of hatred is keeping the dream alive. This is Diana and Sheridan, and we'll be back next month. Until then... Good night. There's a little song within our breast with words of hope and love. The melody blends as we join hands with faith and God above. Dr. Martin Luther King now tells us of this song. 
There's a little song that we sing in our movement down in the South. I don't know if you've heard it, but it has become the theme song. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. Deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome. No, I've joined hands so often with students and others behind jail bars singing it. We shall overcome. Sometimes we've had tears in our eyes when we joined together to sing it, but we still decided to sing it. We shall overcome. No, before this victory is won, some will have to get thrown in jail some more, but we shall overcome. Don't worry about us. Before the victory is won, some of us will lose jobs, but we shall overcome. Before the victory is won, even some will have to face physical death. But if physical death is the price that some must pay to free their children from a permanent psychological death, then nothing shall be more redemptive. We shall overcome. Before the victory is won, some will be misunderstood and called bad names and dismissed as rabble-rousers and agitators. But we shall overcome. And I'll tell you why. We shall overcome because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. We shall overcome because Carlisle is right. No lie can live forever. We shall overcome because William Cullen Bryant is right. Truth crushed to earth will rise again. We shall overcome because James Russell Lowell is right. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future, and behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. We shall overcome because the Bible is right. You shall reap what you sow. We shall overcome. Deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome. And with this faith, we will go out and adjourn the councils of despair and bring new light into the dark chambers of pessimism. And we will be able to rise from the fatigue of despair to the buoyancy of hope. And this will be a great America. We will be the participants in making it so. And so as I leave you this evening, I say, walk together, children. Don't you get weary. There's a great chap meeting in the corner. Step out of the ordinary I can feel my soul ascending I'm on my way Can't stop me now And you can do the same, yeah What have you done today To make you feel proud It's never Support for Outbeat Radio on KRCB-FM comes from listeners and from Rocky, the free-range chicken, and Rosie, the original organic chicken. Air-chilled, non-GMO, locally raised right here in Sonoma County with no antibiotics ever. More information is available at rockyandrosie.com. You're listening to 104.9 KRCB-FM Roanoke Park and KRCG-FM Windsor, Sonoma County's NPR station. It's 9 p.m. Stay with us. Beale Street Caravan is next.